Christmas time is here. Yeah. Uh, as uh, the band Krangbin informs us. Yeah, that was uh, I that was delightful, Joe. Yeah. I can uh, I'd never heard it before this, and uh, I can get behind that sort of like uh, funky yet chill uh type of situation going on there. Yes. With great musicianship, I love it. It slaps as in olden times, the way <laughs> Jolly Saint Nick himself would have slapped. I he he still slaps. He does. He does. Uh, he brings toys to all the children. He does. Um, speaking of which. Let me give you a hypothetical situation. Okay. Jolly Saint. I like those. Jolly Saint Nick. Jolly uh, young Saint Nick. Uh, he feels young at heart. He's got his skinny jeans on. Uh, he's <laughs> he's visited you. Um, Rudolph's doing meth in your backyard because it's just been a rough life for Rudolph. He really hasn't <laughs> processed all the abuse and abandonment. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, St. Nick's there, and uh-huh. he has three things in his bag uh, that he thinks you might like, but okay. you uh, can only uh, have one, and if okay. you, whichever one you pick, the others are lost forever to you. Uh-huh. Maybe we all get them, but you don't. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so choose your, choose your gift. I'm on tinterhooks here. Yes. Um, uh, option one, uh, an album, uh, an LP, a sizable LP of um, uh, Kendrick rapping over uh, Mad Lib beats. Uh-huh. Just yeah. all Kendrick and Mad Lib. Uh-huh. Um, no guests. Yeah. Um, except for Doom, of course. Um, yeah. This is already the best Christmas ever. <laughs> yes. Uh, option two uh, is, we'll say recorded around 2001, uh, is Neutral Milk Hotel album number three. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And option number three, uh, just for um, shits and giggles, is uh, two years of guaranteed... Um, uh, uh, this this is guaranteed for two years, as well as any anything that flowers beyond it. Uh, uh-huh. A close personal Twitter friendship with the rock star of your choice. Oh fuck, man! Yes. Uh I you you acted like that last <laughs> one was a joke, but I, that's actually a really good one. Um, <laughs> it is. It could have a lot of benefits. Yeah. But they're less. They're, they're oh my not, god! I can yeah. choose any rock star. Um, yeah, true. Well, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Oof, that's a pretty. That's actually a wider. I mean, yeah, it's like active on Twitter, but for it to benefit you. Well, that's true. I have no idea who's on Twitter. I don't follow musicians. Um, I guess I follow a few. Um, <laughs> I feel like Josh Hom would probably be a cool guy to be really good friends with because yes. um, he both seems cool and he makes good music and like he definitely parties or at least he used to. He knows people who party. Um, uh, I'm <laughs> so I think actually I'd have to think longer about who the rock star would be. It's like not going to be like Tom York because <laughs> like Tom York. I don't know. Maybe Tom York does like go just like visit weird places and do cool things. That would be interesting. Yeah. But uh 
Um, cause basically like I'm imagining, like I'm definitely leveraging this. If I'm talking to him all the time, like I'm going to hang out with this guy at some point. That's true. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, um or it could be, you know, it could be an up and coming indie star mm-hmm. who actually still parties, you know, it could, it could be Joanna Newsom, but that's probably a bad idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, so, so, so given that that's probably the actual choice if i thought of the perfect person mm, yes um just because there there are a lot of ancillary benefits to that and there's a lot of great music out there so if i miss the other two albums as amazing as they sound um i'll still have good music um whereas this is sort of irreplaceable so between the other two choices though um i actually think i would go with the kendrick album over madlib beats one we got a taste of it on the life of pablo and it's awesome um two um uh jeff mangum seems like such a sort of like evanescent genius like it's it's so like cripplingly beautifully like like sort of his soul cracking open that produces the music that Mm -hmm. i don't know if the third neutral milk hotel album is as good i mean it's probably very good but maybe it doesn't exist because like the nature of it would be a contradiction of the definition of Jeff Mangum to be able to produce yet another album that True. good. Well, yeah, and so, I think with rules, I'm with the rules I'm making up. I'll only say that it's guaranteed that like the album isn't like either of those albums are not so totally like random and yeah. off kilter as to be a waste. But yes, no yeah. guarantee that they are excellent. Yeah. So in that case, I'm going with Kendrick and Madlib. Yeah. Which is a just so fucking awesome i think i would lean that way as well i mean i feel like that album would have a little more utility for me now um, <laughs> as difficult as it is to give up um i have a lot of neutral milk hotel um yeah uh, that's true you know i have what i need i was pretty mad the other day i was working in a coffee shop and they played they played uh uh, in the airplane over the sea, like in full, and I'm like, this is the wrong uh, time to be no. listening to this. Yeah, but I was like, I wasn't gonna leave. Look, uh, it's like, it's it's like for a Catholic, just like breaking out the host in the middle of Starbucks. Yes, like it is. There uh, needs to be some ceremony and some proper spiritual preparation for things yeah. like this. Which is not to say I wouldn't get get drunk uh, at <laughs> Starbucks with whatever <laughs> wine was presented to me. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, now I will say if you give me the best possible version of either of those albums, as I think about this more, I, then I'm choosing neutral milk hotel because yeah. that is like an irreplaceable act of genius. If it's the best possible version True. of that. True. And you'll probably get more Kendrick either way. Exactly. Yeah. And there very well might be Kendrick over Madlib in my future either way. Maybe not a whole album's worth, but some of it. Well, Rudolph is done um, mm-hmm. <laughs> cons- consuming meth. I was I was thinking about like intervening and trying to help him out, but these these musical delights that Santa has given me um, supersede all. And I'm sorry for Rudolph, but there's no time for He's him. He's on anymore. his own journey. Yes, yes, and you don't stop. Cool ID, best rapper, you don't stop. Another fucking hundred fucking dollar for the stop for you and your mom. Yeah, you can never define anything but divine love. I'm a savage beast. <laughs> it's 
slightly above average at least Nah, preference is relative My reference is consistently uh, Bring you to another vicinity I hit you with the riddles consistently Dead in the middle a little triply Little did we know that we triggered a fissure In the metaphysical imagery Elegant painted in oil Love is a flower see Let's do this. Yeah. Uh, And welcome to Savage Beast uh, I'm Joe Gallagher uh, With me as always uh he's got uh only um 79 guns and two human skulls <laughs> in his house it's paul mcleod uh it's the it's the missing skull that i feel like really keeps me from being as metal as the cannibal corpse guitarist pat o'reilly i want to say mm. who got arrested True, and then but, they found all this in his house but maybe the one gun you're missing is the one really illegal gun well he apparently did have one illegal gun which was a sawed off shotgun mm. All his other 50 shotguns were not sawed off and were fine. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, I think we could say that that is pretty metal. Uh, yeah. It's not the most metal thing I've heard. I mean, the most metal thing is to be a complete dweeb with bad personal hygiene who never has any social success. Um, so this seems pretty unmetal to me. He's got True. a lot of guns. And if you swing towards that way, uh, you have to be, you know, Metalocalypse has made it pretty hard because <laughs> you, you have to be so over the top. Like you need to have a throne of skulls. Just <laughs> yeah. Hard. You know, I'm thinking 50, so it's like 80 guns, uh, 50 of them shotguns, which seems wild. Like, are there 50 shotguns available at the gun store? Um, but... Mm. It makes me think that maybe this guy, the the leader of Cannibal Corpse, has actually started to take the zombie apocalypse seriously. Because that's where you want shotguns. Yes. And maybe he just wants to have 100 rounds ready to go um, when the zombies come. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. I mean, he just needs 50 people to help <laughs> fight him. And I, just, I don't know <laughs> if he's going to get them uh, to, to come over to his house at this point. <laughs> Apparently, he also had flamethrowers in the house. Um, so, you know, probably also useful against zombies. Just yes. make sure that the corpses burn. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're fallen friends before they become zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Paul, it's Christmas time, uh, but uh, we are done with Christmas content. <laughs> <laughs> We did the definitive Christmas podcast a year ago. I really can't. We did go be back, bothered to be go back and listen to our comments on the best and worst Christmas songs. Or, or was that two years ago? That may have been two years ago. We also did like yeah. fun, weird Christmas songs. I don't know. It's back there. Yeah, it's back there in the archive. Um, Paul on the uh, SNL Christmas episode, um, which mm-hmm. I uh, did not watch uh, because why? Um, <laughs> It uh, there was uh, they catered to us um, so so hard uh, that I think at least three people um, sent us a, uh, a sketch, um, a skit that was um, said that it was savage beast material. Yeah, exactly. It, when it happened twice, I was like, oh, apparently this really is the case. Yes. Um, so shouts out to Jacob Alzmora and TJ Stallmaker for that, by the way. Yes. Uh, 
wait, that person on Twitter is Jacob. Yes, that's Jacob. <laughs> I totally, I'm sure I knew that. <laughs> you I did know I, that at one point. I totally lost the thread. I was like, who's this person that seems like such a pa- fan of us? <laughs> it's fucking Jacob. Yes, Asimor. I did know that, and I forgot. Um, <laughs> you should leave this in, because he'll actually yes, listen. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, I knew he liked the pod and listened. Uh, yeah. I just forgot that that was him. Yeah, um, I mean, the picture doesn't make it obvious, yeah. and his name is, I think he's actually semi-anonymous on it, so mm. um, you you can be forgiven. Yes, um, well, not to anyone who listens to this podcast. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, this sketch is uh, a uh, friendly Christmas dinner among neighbors, um, mm-hmm. and uh, there's several SNL actors who i don't know the name of taron killam is one of them i don't even know if that's how you say his name um, yeah the only two people i i recognize on that were the the famous black ones i yes. didn't know who any of the white people were yes um oh yeah um and so kena thompson uh and yeah leslie and jones. then leslie jones yeah. yeah so uh basically uh leslie jones and kena thompson are a couple and and matt damon and snl girl number c uh, are another couple <laughs> and Matt Damon and Leslie Jones uh, get in an argument about Weezer. Um, yes. They listen to Toto's Africa um, mm-hmm. covered by Weezer, which, which launches them into it. Um, and Matt Damon is on the side that Weezer uh, just keeps getting better and better. Uh, yeah. And uh, Leslie Jones uh, thinks everything they've done after Pinkerton uh, sucks. And this, I mean, she's like almost literally my exact position. Yes. Like she's like, yeah, I went through the Green Album, which is pretty much what happened. Yes, <laughs> yes. And and this uh, uh, this debate is the entire substance of the skit. Uh, and yeah. they throw in so many obscure Weezer references, uh, really, including I thought the the strangest one was, or the most surreal one was talking about like change in basis from matt sharp yeah to scott schreiner it's like this is very yeah, yeah. very detailed like who knowledge. knows i honestly i did, could not have named the new weezer bassist like i don't <laughs> i i would not have known the answer yeah i could have named the uh, one of the other guys but not the current one or whoever he was referring yes. to yes um so it, it's the the as you watch the sketch it's clear that the audience does not get it. Like they're, they don't <laughs> understand any of the references. Uh, there's a few like sort of, uh, there's a few non weezer specific jokes that land. Um, but yeah. then, uh, you know, they, they just get in a fight. There's sort of a, uh, fun little button where they realize they just, Matt Damon's not even supposed to be at this dinner. He's like someone's yeah. ex and it, it ends. Uh, and, uh, then, uh, it immediately became, uh, the talk, of the uh, 30-something uh, indie hipster <laughs> Twitter sphere. Yeah, exactly. Um, first of all, Button, was that like some little cute theater terminology you just dropped on us there? It sure is. That's uh, sort of the, at once the, I'm probably going to butcher the technical definition, but it's kind of like if there's, at the if like the action is over and then, you know, there's another uh, joke sort of out of left field like yes, that. Yes, there's like a final little joke that kind of uh, is a nice little button on it all. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've learned something today. 
Um, uh, yeah, you know, that was, I actually kind of felt like the audience, like I felt like I got the references and it was still just like, it was less hilarious and more just like, wow, they really went for it. Um, they're, they're naming weird random tracks and lyrics that like, like, like even when Matt Damon signs off with, by, uh, singing the lyrics to Beverly Hills, it's like, I bet for most people they're like, I think I heard that song. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they, I'm sure that song was like on the radio, but like who was listening to the radio? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I think the, it's not even, uh, very in depth. Or bleh. It's like, it's not even very, uh, thoughtful, uh, or surprising analysis to say, uh, that, you know, it was probably done for the specific purpose of like posting it online and getting people to talk about yeah. it. Um, I mean, obviously, yes, <laughs> well, I mean, that's literally what all the skits are trying to do, but yeah, yes. I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Um, that the, the content of this was, uh, particular was actually aimed at us. Yeah. Um, we are the people. Uh, it's still, how does it feel to be catered to by the, one of the main line institutions of pop culture in America, Joe? Uh, it feels, uh, makes me feel empty inside. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, this is, this is it. This is a uh, social status. They've catered to me. Yeah. It, I, I feel <laughs> like they, uh, it was, a, I felt like I was being drained. Uh, <laughs> these things that had uh meeting to me and that I thought I understand, understood on a deeper level, uh, were just, um, used as fodder uh, by um, this machine, yeah. uh, this pop <laughs> culture machine, um, and were revealed to be uh, lacking in any inherent defense against it. Yeah. You know what's funny? Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> that is kind of depressing. It's like even even talking about how the 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 level beyond it is talking about it um but uh <coughs> i think also it's that like it's like a caricature of um of us basically uh you know music nerds who have strong opinions about weezer but it's also like the the sort of like stereotype they're throwing out there is of course the kind of person that you or i would never want to be like even leslie jones who has the correct opinion like getting all mad about it is you know supposed to be funny but it's also like uh people who are actually like that who do exist are the worst people so um it feel maybe maybe we're just being spoil sports because we feel uh, subconsciously slighted by the sketch joe that's true. Uh, we do not want to be either of those people, and I feel even on this podcast, try not to be as <laughs> yeah, uh, just stupidly strident about like things that are ultimately like yeah, yeah I just don't like that. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, yes, and I think that it made me think of the you know the famous and much funnier uh more cowbell sketch uh which is built mm -hmm. on um you know, oh i mean it's like that's one of the funniest sketches ever made like yes. it's, it's saying it's much funnier doesn't even come yes. close <laughs> um which is built on you know uh blue oyster called don't fear the reaper reaper yeah um, but really has nothing to do 
with that songs. Except that it is ridiculous how much cowbell is on that it song. Is, like. It is, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, even that is like there's a more of a tie to it. Um, yeah. And uh, here, there, there's just there's nothing uh, like that. And, and it is, you know, this I- idea that our references it's sort of this the the self-referential uh culture of like ready player one like you really Mm -hmm. think that applies to more like pop culture but you know that formula works for anything and it can as i said um really just take the things you love um that you think are maybe more sophisticated which of course one is probably wrong to think about weezer's music that way to begin with um and prove it to be just uh uh, ripe for dull mashups. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's totally right. And, you know, it's fine. It's like, like the skit offends me. It's just like, it just feels surreal that it exists, I guess, is basically yeah. what it is. It's it, it's like the cognitive dissonance of living in this sort of weird media age we have now uh, becomes clear to me through this sketch. Um, I would push back and say I, I believe there is genuine sophistication or at least complexity to the weirdness of like Rivers's persona on Pinkerton, yes. which is yes, yes, agreed. Th- there aren't a lot of albums that present somebody who's that kind of like eloquently fucked up. Yes, uh, I don't know. It is actually good, and that yeah. is uh, that that distinction is important to make, um, and not just something that was you know popular and catchy. 20, yeah. 20 years ago. Um, I mean, you could say that about Buddy Holly, although even that is a cleverer song than most. But yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want SNL to talk about the things I like. Let's just. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not just like, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's funny because just before this, I was listening to the latest Chapo Trap House, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've listened. I have not. Um, oh, so the opening like half hour is like matt talking about how he watches every snl and will and amber uh being like why that's horrible everybody knows it sucks and he's like yes but i have to actually watch to find out exactly how it sucks basically (laughs) i understand that point of view i really yeah um uh and and yet you know i was one who used to care about snl's opinion on music and would watch radio a videotaped radiohead's performance on there and watched it For sure. many times um so uh, these institutions yeah. that i've str- stri- strivened <laughs> struggled struggled strove <laughs> and strovened to be uh-huh. <laughs> um, um made a part of uh now repulse me um yeah yeah uh, but good for weezer yeah you know Rivers, Rivers made it. He did. He really did. He got paid. Um, uh, and you know, Billy is very mad about this. <laughs> <laughs> Why oh man, me. Um, uh, well, the, what a segue, Joe. Yes. To my discussion, Paul. Of, uh, Paul, you're yeah. you haven't showered in two weeks. Uh, uh yeah. Just yeah. from the, just in case. From about ten feet away, a fleck of Billy spit might have landed upon me. Exactly. Um, um yeah, no. So I finally saw the Smashing Pumpkins for the first time in my life on awesome. Thursday, December sixth, at the Rialto Theater in Tucson, which is yes. an amazing venue to have the Pumpkins coming to. 
um because it's like you know like a thousand seat theater or something like that except it's not seated it's standing um maybe you can fit more people in there than that but it's small and cool and um uh they did have a barrier to give the bouncers like a lane Mm, in front of the stage so we weren't like touching his feet or anything but we were i was behind one rank of people and it was awesome um because i got there in the middle of the day and waited uh and there were a few people there so what was the line experience like (coughs) it was it was uh not like especially uh interesting but you know i got there at about uh two or something and there were four people standing in front of standing outside on the sidewalk and I hadn't eaten lunch yet, so I just walked across the street and had lunch for half an hour. And then I came back, and no one else had arrived. So I was, like, fifth in line. <laughs> um, and then more people started showing up shortly after that. And there was a pretty good line, you know, like uh, 100 people to you know, get in before the uh, doors actually opened. Uh, Maybe longer. I couldn't see the back of it because it went around a corner. And you, what? you were wearing your yes. Savage Beach t-shirt. Yes, available at, uh, what is the, is it savagebeast.threadless.com? Well, let's find out. <laughs> okay, well, you do that. Um, yes, I was wearing my blue Billy Corgan Did Nothing Wrong shirt, designed by Joe. Um, and uh, uh, I was wearing a jacket, actually, while I was outside during the day, because it was uh, chilly and rainy, so nobody much saw it there. Um, but uh, inside, um, I had a couple people ask about it. And um, uh, one guy uh, seemed to be very interested in buying one, and I gave him the URL. So uh, I don't know if I've gotten an email saying that somebody bought it or anything yet. Dude, if you're out there, come check us out. Yes, and it is savagebeast.threadless.com. We have that, and of course our uh, patented uh, Assy Wolf. Yes. Um, Ooh, I I, I do a hard C on that. Anyway, I don't want to get done that. No, I think you're correct. Okay. Um, Okay. um anyway so uh you know i talked i chatted a little bit with people but mostly i like played polytopia with you um (laughs) and uh uh then um i sort of snuck away from the line because there were a lot of people around to smoke a spliff about half an hour before doors opened um and so then went in and uh uh you know just stood over there in line my wife was showing up later she was meeting some friends um and uh just you know did the whole waiting around before a show thing and eventually the openers came on uh who are they do you know who they are joe no i didn't jo- joy wave was that one of them yes i, don't, I think yeah. that's correct no that was yeah. the only one that we had okay. and they were just like two weird guys who like uh did kind of interesting music but um uh, eventually billy showed up and it was just like a it was just like really cool to finally see the smashing pumpkins mm-hmm. i mean um billy has um uh you know at first it was like oh that's a lot of paunch sticking out through the space robes there billy but you know that's i got past that sort of small-minded thinking and was just enjoying the uh the billy experience you know he seemed to be having fun um he didn't talk a whole lot um but he was like you know doing flourishes he seems to really enjoy the newer songs where he gets to put down the guitar and just come sort of like croon at us from the stage. Um, like leaning out as close as he can get to the crowd. Um, and, uh, you know, he would like sort of do goofy things with James, like, uh, you know, go over and hug him during one of the songs um, or do the face-to-face guitar things once or twice. Um, 
So it was, it, you know, it was cool to just see him be seem pretty relaxed because, yeah. honestly, with the narrative around the concerts at the beginning where he like seemed in his leaked text with Darcy, like really concerned about the financial performance of the shows, it sort of like made me worry that it was a little bit mercenary, the whole thing, um, which I mean, obviously the money matters and I don't begrudge him. That, right. But um, uh, it could go too far in that direction. And um but it didn't seem that way. Like he seemed to be doing it because it's fun to him to be up there playing for people. He didn't seem bitter or angry that he wasn't playing in like the football stadium. Um, and you know the uh, uh, so that was cool just to see him, which I hadn't done in 16 years. Right. Um, and J- and Jimmy and I'd never seen James uh, play. And you know they played almost entirely the, just singles, um, which as we've discussed are not my favorite Pumpkin songs, but they're very good, obviously. Yeah. And uh, yeah, hearing them for the first time live, yeah, is, it's really cool. Yeah. Now, the one thing I'll say is that I, by being so close and dead center, I was probably sacrificing a little bit of sound quality because yeah, that's always tough. The, yeah, the well, the house speakers, you know, were like way to either side of me. I was right in the middle of them, um, and you have to be a little further back to be really in their cone. And they seem to have some sort of like digital amp set up where they don't really have like monitors. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Like they just have one stack, you know, one cart that rolls around that seems to have everything in it, and it seems to be all digital and modern, so it's not big. Which a doesn't just look as cool as a set, and b I think robs the people who are right at the front there of like having something pointing right at their faces. Yes, um, that's true. Yeah, so it wasn't, it actually, it, it was nice in the sense that it wasn't blisteringly loud. It was just like the right amount of loud. But it also could have like thumped a little bit more of the sound, but mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, I could have stood further back if I if I wanted to uh, get the house speakers. Um, and uh, uh, I will say that the best parts were like, like poor Selena was fucking awesome yes. when they played that. Yes. Because they do the whole fucking thing, um, you know, with all the intro and all the outro. And he's just like, he really, they all are just really wailing at the end of it. Yes. And it's so good. Uh, that was the, the the best part for me, I think. Um, Avador was very good. Uh, shit, there was another one that I really enjoyed. Yeah, they played Dross. Uh, was Dross like, was yeah. very good. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I'm not looking at the set list. I should. Um uh, run through it for me real quick. I maybe. will. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, I was going to say about the, the arena part, um, uh, you know, the mercenary touring. Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right that there was some of that, uh, you know, it, it was a little concerning. Um, yeah. But also, I mean, whenever Billy is talking about that sort of stuff, he he's not like – he does get focused on the money, but it's because he sees it as like his status as like the biggest rock star. Totally. totally. So some of that's why some of that is gets a little, um, you know, it's not as bad as it could be. You know, he's, yeah, he's not it's a there. hazard of living in a capitalist society. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Other, other, uh, songs list. Well, Cherub Rock is always good live. That was really good. Yeah. Um, poor Selena, Dross, Tonight Tonight, um, well, it's the, the set list is Solara, uh, zero, <laughs> zero Today, yeah. uh, Never Let Me Down Again. Oh, that was what I was going to say, yes. yes. I really enjoyed that they're playing that, because yeah. it's got to be one of the most obscure things in their catalog. Yeah. Um, 
it's not on you know Pisces Iscaria or anything. Right. It's just a random B side from Rocket, which was barely even a single. Um, and I actually happened to have a CD copy of it that I found used back in the '90s and uh, have kept to this day because it's fucking awesome. And I really love their uh, that yes. song uh, and their take on it. Yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um, that was that's a that is a really cool little uh, uh, you know fan favorite for them to play. Absolutely. Uh, the low light, um, in my wife's opinion was uh she was like actively angry about uh james's uh cure cover um she yeah she, and it really wasn't that good you gotta you gotta james is, you know james yeah. is james uh uh it's, it's, it's it was of, funny too because billy like actively just left the stage for it yes um it's kind of a waste I mean, you know why James doesn't play like I mean he played Blue Away at the concert I saw. Yeah, that would be a much better yeah, choice. Yeah, would play Blue Away or play like The Boy. I mean if you played The Boy people would go fucking nuts. Um, yeah. Uh Blue the bells. Ringing <laughs> out. <laughs> um well good. I mean I'm glad that the show was uh not a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how was Heavy Metal Machine? <laughs> You know, it was better live than it is. I think we clowned yes. on it pretty hard on our Machina uh, uh, podcast, but it was a lot better live. It's yeah. uh, it's uh, it's hard enough to just work in that setting. Yeah, basically. the silliness kind of gets drained out of it. Yeah, uh, in that in that context, um, uh, I, f- I feel like I've seen it play that one a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, without Jimmy, it's pretty bad. Um, oh yeah, but with Jimmy rules um and that's the thing i mean all whatever they're playing um jimmy's always there and you know billy's amazing guitar uh, yeah that's what i was gonna say is you i love watching just like really good musicians play and you know like with a lot of these indie bands these guys just sort of like you know they're competent but they yeah. just sort of bang on their instruments but like people like thurston moore or billy playing the guitar like it just looks like they really know what they're doing. Yes. The way they move their fingers on it, you know? Yes. And there's always something to listen to then. You know, you can really, uh, I know at least, well, Billy, like, pays, you know, a great deal of attention of how it sounds in the venue mm-hmm. to make sure he's got his right sound and you can actually hear what you want to hear, uh, what he wants you to hear, which is cool. Yeah. Um, Joe, did you at your concert get to see Billy's little, like, uh, 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 clip video um of his early life to uh back disarm yeah well yeah it's like there's lots of little like home movies of of young billy yes um yes. and then they get scribbled over yeah. yes yes so they, they did play that which was pretty cool yeah that was i thought that was interesting that's what opened the show when i ah. just billy just came out alone and played Oh, was it solo acoustic yes. when he did it? Yeah. That would have been a lot better. They did the full band version uh, yes. of my show. Yeah, so that was a cool way to open it. They they played a like updated version of the melancholy theme and then he came out mm. alone and played that in front of a screen. See, I sorry, not to get hung up on this, but like the the actual version of Disarm, like the bells are just like a touch too broke for me at this point in my life. Yes. No, the, and yeah, the, so without those, that'd be awesome. The bells and strings on that particular song have not aged well. Not at all. Uh, yeah, and they they have on you know other you know it's it's not like impossible for them to work. Yeah, I mean tonight tonight the strings are still 
uh, great. Or even like the Mellotron on Space Boy, like yeah. sounds I still love, even though yeah. it's super, you know, weepy. Butch Vig, what's your problem with those bells, man? Come on. <laughs> oh well. Um, total garbage. Oh, oh. wow. <laughs> Just roasted. I don't know if he can ever show his face again. Uh, well, Paul, you saw the pumpkins. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It was great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, fun story for our listeners. I tried. I really thought about coming to join you as a surprise. Yes, as a surprise, and got to the point where I asked uh, you slid wife, into my wife's DMs. Uh, yeah, and see if it would be cool. Uh, but uh, for whatever reason, uh, Tucson, the tickets there. Maybe I think maybe because it was the best venue and smallest venue yes. of the tour. It's definitely that. I yeah. mean, this is. If you could pick any venue to see them in that I've seen them playing, like like the next night they played in Mesa in a much shittier venue. Yeah, um, um, and, and the same in come. San Antonio. Uh, they played some giant outdoor plays that didn't look as cool. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. The, so the the tickets were you know two fifty before the SeatGeek fees. Uh, it, so it became a uh, it, it became a very expensive proposition, and I uh, yeah. Uh, decided that uh, it was a uh, would have to wait um, for the next for the Apex yeah. Twin Tour. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and if you, dear listener, would like to um, enable the kind of content that would be produced by such a, a lark, yes. um, hit up our Patreon. Yeah, which we <laughs> see if we had a Patreon, we could do these sorts of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that just shows my enthusiasm for the fact that, uh, you've got to bask mm. in the pumpkin. Oh, it would have been very special to have you there. That would yes. have been awesome. Yes. We would have rocked hard. Yeah. And it would have meant that my, my every meeting with Billy was in fact a threesome with yes. me. Joe, so. Yes. <laughs> it does. It eases the pain that we've already seen <laughs> Billy together. That's true. Uh, meaning we, which made me uh, think we have seen Billy Rivers and Tom. Yeah, together. that's pretty cool. Which, that's uh, that's <laughs> that's our high school trinity yeah, right that's there. Pretty much, that's pretty much like completes it. I mean, don't have to really worry about <laughs> yeah other co concert experiences. Someday we'll get to drool at Joanna Newsom together, Joe. Yes, um. I would be very into that. Uh, experience um maybe we'll get to meet andy sandberg too yeah i'd be like you're lucky man um no um <laughs> it would be really funny actually to you're a lucky man a guy who is like very obviously like way better than you yes, um. <laughs> yes. yes that's uh um i can't even, it's, i can't think of a more radical example but yes yeah <laughs> He's like, oh, really? Yeah. It's like, well, you're a talented uh, writer and comedian who's achieved uh, fame. Who's multiple. Rich and handsome. (laughs) You know, multiple formats. uh, You know, you've reached the top of your art. Man, you're lucky. Yeah. (laughs) And he's married to Joanna Newsom, so I think actually it's probably still true. Yeah. Is he the best harp player of the past, like, several hundred (laughs) years? Yeah. uh no <laughs> no no i mean yeah does, i have no idea yes. who the best harpist is considered to be uh, but the most he, lovely shatter your soul with a uh, <laughs> voice that sounds like uh, um, a haunted child 
no, yeah, I don't know. You know, during that uh, epic Wimbledon match on HBO, I I really had some some thoughts about my life and choices. You did. Um, you did. Um, uh, Paul. Yeah. All right. Do we have any? Do you have any other comments from your Smashing Pumpkins? No, it was great. It was lovely. It was. Uh, not as dirty as a uh, uh, seeing a well past his prime rock star for the first time in your life as a fanboy could be thing. So um, thumbs up for me. Excellent. Wait, who do you think? Joe? Wait, what are you talking about Wimbledon? Oh, sorry. That was a very obscure joke. That, um, he, he did that. He, he did that like th- okay. mini movie about HBO on Wimbledon uh, or about uh, Wimbledon on HBO. So. Okay. okay. I got briefly worried that you thought she was married to like Andy Roddick. <laughs> No, that would be funny if I thought that. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. The, the, never mind. Delightful. I'm not going to explain the joke. No, no, no. I now recall <laughs> that uh, okay. that uh, particular piece of pop culture trivia. Yeah. Um, well, Billy, we hope you're on SNL next. Um, oh wow. <laughs> uh, his uh, but which, by the way, the the Adore era sketch where he where the pumpkins are in the uh night at the roxbury like i have not seen universe this universe is so bad it's, <laughs> it's like if you're ever like maybe would billy corgan be a good actor the answer is just absolutely not <laughs> wow is he so is this like in his like mocking a leather jacket dress thing yeah, or yeah, no it's like a door so he's just wearing like a okay. black suit and he's like hitting on cameron diaz Oh wow! And loses out to uh, you know Steve Martin and uh, I have to see how bad this is now. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk about we'll we'll review it for the next <laughs> the next cast. Um, Paul, one thing this uh, this episode does not feature is our year end list because fuck that noise. We do yeah. not believe in year end lists. Yeah, that's the wrong time uh, period our, to do a list for our Q three uh list will be coming in january mm-hmm. hey, as long as we have separate q3 and q4 this year then we've uh we've done m- it made a step forward yeah um but uh others have released uh, their best of 2018 lists and uh you know we appreciate their choices um wrong as they are <laughs> um and uh yeah pitchfork was one of them mm-hmm. surprisingly pitchfork released year-end lists I mean, it's funny how, how this is one uh, ritual that I definitely like uh, think about uh, that I anticipate every year. Yes, which is funny. You it, know, it it, it it matters somehow. It still yes. matters. <laughs> it matters less than it used to. I used to like really be like fucking. Oh my God! Uh, Panda Bear number one this year. I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> I'm so proud of the t- the year I, that I guessed the Rapture would be number one. That was actually so. Uh, yes, I'm proud of you, but also that was an easy call. Like that was a total zeitgeist pick. It was. Um, so this year, uh, how should we review the list? <laughs> the, the top. 10. I don't know. Um, we could do that just real quick. Uh, I will say in preface, like this list is basically reasonable to me. Like there are obviously things I would change. Um, The 1975 is in it, which is both predictable and uh, hilarious. Um, uh, But other than that, like I didn't see anything where I was like, how could you? That's an abomination that. Yeah. (laughs) 50 
I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things that in real time, um, you know, it's like if you were in the 70s and you're just looking at your like mustard yellow carpet, shag carpet, and you're like, oh, this is actually really stupid. People are going to realize that pretty soon. Um, and the future will like look down on us for this. Um, it's one of those times where you can see that happening in real time. You know? Yes. Yes. Uh, the future will be like, <laughs> like the 1975 and 2018. Like, what do you think? They, <laughs> yes. ha, no wonder they elected Trump. Ha, that's a Jim Gaffigan joke. I stole accidentally. That, sorry. Is, that is okay. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I have to say that when you look at Pitchfork's top 10, we did well. Um, uh, Snail Mail's Lush is number five, and mm-hmm. uh, Casey Musgrove's Golden Hour is number two, uh, which mm-hmm. are uh, favorites of mine. And you, uh, to to spoil, uh, your yeah. Q3 includes Lowe's Double Negative, which came in at eight. And, and Earl Sweatshirt. And Earl Sweatshirt. Uh, isn't that Q4? Oh, whichever Q it is, yeah, it'll be Q4. in it. Yeah, that's Q4. That will probably be in mine as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also... Uh, DJ Coz's Knock Knock, uh, which yeah. I believe was was that in your best of, or did you just point that out as? Did we no, we did a we did half an episode on yes. it, but it didn't quite make my best of, partially because we'd already talked about it, but partially also I I mean I think it's a great album. I just yeah. didn't quite put it in, um, and then also um, Eve Tumor Eve Tumor sorry ah yes uh, is uh, a really good Q three album that almost made my list. So yes. that makes sense. Well, we are very smart people with good taste. Um, mm-hmm. But Paul, uh, uh, let's the number one on mm-hmm. Pitchfork's um, fifty best albums. As though anyone listening to this could not go look at it for themselves, but I'm revealing it dramatically. Was Mitski's <laughs> "Be the Cowboy"? Yes. You're growing tired of me. You love me so hard and I still can't sleep You're growing tired of me And all the things I don't talk about Sorry I don't want your touch It's not that I don't want you surprised i can see why this would be a sort of uh uh seem like a sort of apocal album for some kind of people even though at the exact same time that i see how they could think that it just doesn't really do that much for me um yeah and i loved previous mitski so it's not like i i was excited for a new mitski album then i when it dropped i was sort of like nah, this is okay yeah, I, I mean, I like the album, um, and mm-hmm. I like Mitski, like you. I probably maybe liked her her other stuff. I was maybe a little less into it, uh, so this is more just kind of on the same level for me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and it was definitely a head-scratcher as to why it was at the top. Um, you know, 
just I have some ideas, but just to 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 sort of offer a mini review of the album that um, when you listen to it, there's a lot of like sort of what makes Mitski uh, Mitski, which is called sort of these voluminous stream of consciousness lyrics that are very confessional and like literary. Um, but here they're glued to like pop production. Um, that to me makes it sound like a, a little bit like a remix album. Like this is the, <laughs> Almost. This yeah. It's like the dance versions of, you know, uh, slower, more emo songs. Definitely on some of the more synthy ones. Yeah. I yeah. can see that. Yeah. Like the first song geyser is one of the ones yeah. and, and, um, uh, or like, uh, nobody, which is like the quote unquote hit single. Um, in yeah. Any of these. And also the worst song, if you ask me. I like. I mean, I I like it. I mean, I ha- I've been. I listen all the indie stations I listen to. I'll play it a lot. So it's just it's caught. It's just in my head. Um, but she, yeah, she released this like um, uh, nearly to complete like acapella version of it on Sirius XMU, and there it was just this is just an example. It's just a really good song, and I don't necessarily get the like thumping disco beat under it Um, yes that's me yeah um yeah so like with me that was actually it with nobody is that and a lot of the other songs it's just sort of like i mean this might just be a taste thing but i do not get the appeal of this sort of like chintzy neo 80s synth rock thing Mm -hmm. at all personally um yeah now i have my own nostalgic taste that she previously catered to perhaps with her more guitar based indie rock um uh which there is some of on this album uh a pearl i think is actually a really cool song yeah um and uh there was another one um yeah but so like you know there's what's interesting to me about it is that this album is 32 minutes long and it's 14 songs we're like under two and a half minutes per track yes um and so i think maybe what makes it stand out as the kind of thing that you might pick as the number one album of a year is that it feels like uh, a little bit of a concept album, sort of like a scaled down version of like 69 love songs or mm. something. Yes. Yeah. Where it's like, she's just like uh, my next, you know, sort of it's like, it's got a good gimmick. Basically it's like, I'm going to put out a whole bunch of really tight little songs um, that all have to do with these like extremely dramatic little mini stories of love and longing and stuff. Um, maybe not extremely dramatic, but extremely uh, 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 piquant. Some of them, um, some of them are, are melodramatic, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, and um, it's a wide variety of styles. Um, yes. Some of which so, really work. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, one, that, yeah. Uh, sorry, we mentioned a pearl. And then I also really liked um, uh, a horse named Cold Air, which is like this like weird like 20th century classical style piano um, uh, sonata type thing. That's not the right word, but you know, just like a little uh, thing like you'd hear from like uh, Arthur, Arthur or something. Anyway. Yeah. uh, He had a track that was on the soprano soundtrack one year. So that's why I know him. Um, Anyway. uh, It's like sort of this weird atonal um, piano thing that she does this, that she actually manages to like fit a pop vocal melody on top of. And it's really cool. Um, but then there are a lot of tracks where I'm just like, this is like, 
if this were really hooky, it's like the concept is I'm going to do a whole bunch of really uh, diamond cut pop gems. And the problem is that half of them just don't feel that clever, inventive or catchy to me. Well, and I mean, I think that that's, you know, 69 love songs is uh, a good comparison and, you know, compare and contrast for this, because I mean, the reason 69 love songs is a, is a classic is that uh, it's like full of just um, unbelievably good nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 pop songs, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, there's no book of love on this, uh, on this album. Um, Whatever your thoughts are on the relative corniness of that song. I happen to like (laughs) it. Um, uh, And, um, yeah, and I think I definitely agree on the genre stuff. I mean, some of just some of those genre experiments work. There's one called Lonesome Love that I thought was kind of this weird electro country. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was like a slower, grander song called Pink in the Night, which reminded me uh, uh, of the ba- of Air, the band um, mm-hmm. or group. I don't know what Air is. Um, it's two guys. French guys. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they fucked your wife last summer. Yes, yes, with their electronic ambience. <laughs> uh, um, uh, they, uh, you know, and and so I mean, again, I think I don't know. It's we don't need to say that it's like not a bad album. There's a lot of good stuff on it. Um, Absolutely, I like the album. If I, it would probably make my top fifty list for the year. For sure, it just would not even be close to something I'd think about for number and, one. Yeah, I mean, I I have. You know, I started to think about why it was number one um, without trying to overanalyze, you know, a, uh, you know, compilation of uh, music critics picks. Uh, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, but, you know, I think I think all this shit being subjective is also political. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that Pitchfork... Um, you can see it here. Uh, four of the top five are uh, white women. And I think Pitchfork is really tacking hard to this, you know, surge in the profile of both new and old uh, female singer songwriters uh, to kind of like. I'm, hold on. I'm almost positive that Mitski is Asian American. Uh, oh, she is Japanese American. Yeah um well (laughs) you know i okay we're not going to get into the the (laughs) politics of you know uh, how japanese americans are are perceived as as white um ah yes that's a good point yes um uh but uh overall i think Mm. that um you know you see i think Pitchfork may have had pressure not to like pick another, uh, you know, hip hop or uh, ah. pop R and B album as number one, um, and I don't think that's I don't think anyone was like I don't think any of that pressure was like spoken or anything like that, but I feel like it was there. You know, I bet it was. I wouldn't be surprised if like on the Pitchfork Slack the idea was broached. Yeah. Um, but. You know, uh, I don't think it needs to come from the top. You know, right. I think the the it can be grassroots within the Pitchfork voting staff. Yeah, the I Pitchfork mean, electorate. And that's not, you know, I mean, I think Kendrick has won it three times and has deserved <laughs> it every year. Um, 
yeah uh, has been a worthy choice um uh i think two of those were unquestionably the best um of their their year um and uh yeah i don't have any two you know but finding this um you know uh this singer songwriter who can work in a lot of genre who is literary enough to get a new yorker profile and yeah, I think be in the New York Times as well. Um, it's a, a nice little perfect storm if you're looking to put um, that kind of music back at the top. Yeah, and you know I'll say this: like uh, if I had had to do you pull a, a the Rapture year, I think that was 2005 yes. for you, and guess I would have I would have felt pretty good about guessing Cardi B for number one mm. for the political reasons you're talking about. So I want to give them credit for. I mean, like, so first of all, I want to say. I don't know that there was an obvious album to pick anyway. You yeah. know, like when when Kendrick dropped Damn, like that was kind of the most super obvious pick ever and also the correct one. Um, uh, there wasn't like an album like that this year, I felt like. And if I would have had to guess, I would have said, you know, Cardi B or something. Um, so that said, if they were, you know, let's say they're, they're making, uh, let's put it as... Um, uh, constructively and 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 as uh, sorry, what's the word I'm looking for? Just as charitably as we can, and just say they wanna um, <coughs> they want to uh, privilege uh, you know sort of people who have gotten a bad shake in the past, um, have not gotten a fair shake in the past. So fine uh, that they did it with um, somebody's uh, mainstream wise obscure as Mitski is uh, that at least is welcome to me from Pitchfork. Um, rather than like saying Ariana Grande, she's number one. We're Rolling Stone now. Um, yes, that's cool. <laughs> to, to be fair, we merit we we narrowly missed that with Casey <laughs> yeah. Musgraves coming in number two. Actually, totally true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, which side note? I mean, I I had that on you know my best of quarter one list. Uh, yeah. Which was and it's a fun album, but it's I yeah it's not better than. I mean, I think there's just generally, if you look at the list, like the things that don't move me that are on this list are those sort of more pop type of things in whichever, you know, flavor of pop you want to go with. And I think it's just fair to say that they, the the idiom of like sort of that sort of uh, breezy pop style is more attractive to the kind of people who write for music websites these days than it is to me. And I actually don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Like that's okay. It's just, it's interesting that like, I mean, I think by like the concluding thought about the politic, the pitchfork list for me is that it, it just has become overall more political and more aware of its impact. Yeah. And I mean, you could take this top 50 and you could pick the 10 albums that would have been, the top 10 in like 2003 or that's you know, true and uh well yeah because back then their mission was not to sort of like like now their mission i would say is to be like we're gonna pick the best stuff from all the kind from everything within the idiom of pop you know writ large um you know l- lowercase pop um and back then they were uh sort of trying to crystallize the indie manifesto every year, you know? Yes. yes. Um, and that's just definitely not the mission of the site and, anymore, I mean, which they, is fine. They are responsible for the fact that, you know, in a, an office full of millennials, like a lot of them know who Mitski is. Yeah. 
um, and care about that kind of music. Um, so absolutely, yeah, totally true. Mission accomplished, folks. You and Mitski cool. did it. <laughs> you know, I you know I, we bitch about Pitchfork a lot, but a they're the major site I visit by far the most. Yes, and b um, they have exposed me to an amazing array of music that I would have had a tough time finding. You know, maybe there would have been some other outlet, but they they largely shaped my taste with the kinds of old things that they picked that I did like. Um, and see, um, they're definitely smarter than your average music publication, even with their sort of like less devotion to the sort of weirdness that I love uh, nowadays. Yeah. And, and when you, um, you know, if you, if you do divert from pitchfork and you get into um, some of the former MP3 blogs that still are still going strong now, like, you know, Brooklyn Vegan or Aquarium Drunkard, like, yes, you do find more obscure stuff that's really good, but it's also um, so heavy on this DIY stuff that is mm. made by people who can't play their instruments, as you yeah. said, that it's just, you know, there's there's a certain point of like, well, you know, how many of these, like, bands of, like, 17-year-olds who, you know, maybe don't even own an instrument <laughs> yeah pitchfork gonna put on their lists yeah i mean it's like you have a thousand acts in that category that are like when you listen to them, you're like this is pretty good yeah and it's like but to actually like be something you're gonna remember it's if you're in that idiom you got to be a fucking amazing songwriter yes um and there aren't that many of those people I mean, one of them turned one of them turned out to be car seat headrest but uh he got really good <laughs> at playing his instruments so that's true exactly <laughs> Ah, well, that was fun, Joe. Indeed. Uh, uh, Merry Christmas. And um, if you were Rudolph uh, is in the back smoking meth, um, take that time uh, to log on to his iTunes account and give us five stars. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you would like to be uh, shouted out like the mysterious uh, Jay Cobb, uh, then I encourage you to uh, get to us at Twitter uh, at Savage Beast Pod. We had another uh, a fan uh, uh, engage there too. That was cool. So uh, we love it, everybody. Um, we love that sweet engagement. Yeah. We, oh, oh. You know who doesn't have as much engagement anymore? Facebook. That's coming for them. Right. Um, and uh, another highlight of our Twitter is that Paul made a joke about me listing my favorite live recordings of Geek USA. <laughs> And I started to uh, tweet all the ones I could find on YouTube. Uh, I mean, I knew it was not much of an exaggeration when I worth the joke. checking out. Uh, at least start with the clown. The first, number one, which has all the clowns, is just one of the best uh, pumpkins-related pieces of media. I should do that. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Yes, um, uh, Paul, uh, Mary, Mary Xmas. Yeah. Uh, our Lord, our Lord was born uh, next week, so that's cool. Billy was born. It just no. You've got that all wrong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, 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 good night. Good night.